Welcome everyone, good to see you. My name is Tim Harris, I'm pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church. It's good to see you all. Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40 one more time, maybe for the last time for a while. Isaiah chapter 40, it's been good, right? Uh, a, a month of simply diving deep into this amazing chapter in the Old Testament, Isaiah 40. We'll get to finish it today. We'll get to uh, soar high on wings like eagles uh, at the end of the sermon today. But before we get there, probably I need to tell you the tragic story of Chippy the parakeet. Um, Chippy the parakeet was happy in his cage, sitting on his perch. Uh, his owner was vacuuming the floor. She looked up at the bird cage and thought, you know, I should probably clean that cage out. But then she thought, maybe the vacuum cleaner could help me. So she took the nozzle off of the vacuum cleaner and opened up the, the door on the cage and stuck the vacuum cleaner in and just started, you know, sort of sucking up the stuff off the bottom. It was working really well. It was a good idea. And then her phone rang. And so she turned to find out where her phone was. And then when she reached for the phone, she heard. <laughs> she did, y'all. She sucked the parakeet up in the vacuum cleaner. Just, you know, so she's going, oh, no. So, you know, you don't really know what to do in a moment like that. So she started taking the vacuum cleaner apart. And then she reached down in the bag, and sure enough, she could feel him. Um, bird, you know, Chippy, you know, she loved this bird, y'all, but this bird was, you know, sucked in. And, and so now she kind of pulled him out, and uh, she could see that he was still partly alive, uh, but covered with lint and hair and fuzz and stuff, you know, out of the vacuum cleaner bag, all the stuff in there. So, so she thought the only chance of, you know, you know, letting him live would be to wash that stuff off. So... So then she took him into the sink and just gave him a good blast, you know, of, of water. Just psh, and she was scrubbing him and getting all the fuzz off of him. And then she, you know, tried to see if he'd stand up, you know. And he just sort of stood there. And then he started, you know, shivering because now he's, you know, he's, he's, he's wet. And so she decided to, you know, give him a, you know, a good hair dryer. So she got her a hair dryer. And uh, anyway, the bird lived. Chippy the parakeet lived through all of that, sucked in, you know, washed up, blown over. I mean, he lived through all of that. Uh, a couple of days later, one of her friends called and said, how's Chippy? How's Chippy? And she said, well, Chippy just not the same. Mostly he just sits in his cage now and stares. Y'all ever felt like that? Y you know? I mean, I know that Isaiah 40 says we're going to soar on wings like eagles, but most of us were just kind of stunned like Chippy the parakeet. I mean, because that's how life is. That's how actual life is. And few of us really are in those moments of soaring high on wings like eagles. Most of the time, most days, we're just sort of like Chippy the parakeet, you know, sucked in, washed up, blown over, and now just sort of, you know, sitting and staring and stunned. Uh, at, a, at what life has brought to us. But uh, Isaiah chapter 40 really does have a secret for us. It's a beautiful secret and a good word for all of us today who struggle with, with what life has brought us. Isaiah chapter 40, wrapping up. Let's go back to verse 28 and read to the end. You do that with me? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 is where we'll begin. Cafe folks, open your Bibles. I love you guys. Uh, join in with us. Isaiah 40, verse 28. This is good, you all. This is good. Have you never heard, have you never understood, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. Underline that. He never grows weak or weary. No one can understand the depths of his understanding. He gives 
power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youth will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust, those who wait in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. Right there, again, we're going to talk about how God gives us new strength. But we start out there by talking about our strength, the, the kind of strength that we have. And verse 30 says, even, even young people will become weak and exhausted. Young men will fall in exhaustion, stumble and fall. Literally what Isaiah says there is that stumbling, they stumble. Which is a way of saying, you know, even young people, when they're stumbling, they stumble. It's this way of picturing the strength that we have, which isn't really any kind of strength at all. And it goes to young people because we think of young people as having the most strength. They're the ones who can seemingly go and go and go and go and stay up past midnight. And they can, you know, stop in Capasa Tacos and eat like Mexican food at 2 in the morning, which would kill us, you know, humans. But young people can, can just do that sort of thing. They, they are unstoppable, it seems. But even the most unstoppable among us can be stopped. And that's what Isaiah is saying. It doesn't matter how strong you are, how strong you've been, how strong you imagine yourself to be, young, old, healthy, sick, it doesn't matter. The most unstoppable example, specimen among our race will still be very, very stoppable. Even young people stumble when they stumble, he says. Now, before we go any further, let's just be honest enough to recognize that there are multiple kinds of strength. And since there are multiple kinds of strength, there are multiple kinds of weakness. Now, we can think of physical strength, and that's what most of us think of when we read this passage. Young men will become weak and tired. We, we think of physical weakness, physical exhaustion. They, they will fall and stumble out of, out of physical weakness. And, and that's a fair reading. Physical strength, physical weakness is real, and it's what most of us depend upon. We like to feel strong. We like to feel healthy. When we pray, we often thank God for the health that we enjoy. Physical strength, physical health is very, very important to us. Everybody say amen. Yeah, we love to feel strong physically. That, that, that's great. To have your health, to have your strength is simply an amazing, an, an amazing possession. But beyond that, there's, there's mental or, or emotional strength. You ever been physically strong but just mentally spent? You're tired of thinking. You're sometimes just tired of caring. Emotional strength is also very, very important. And sometimes it's just that feeling of being mentally, emotionally frazzled, frustrated, empty. And that's different. It's separate somehow from my physical well-being, my mental well-being, my emotional well-being. If you've ever struggled with anxiety, if you've ever struggled with depression, then you know that that, that, that doesn't feel like a physical crisis. It's just a mental crisis. And, and constantly to have to be thinking in your head, constantly to be struggling with fear or anxiety or worry or, or, or nervousness, constantly having to struggle with depression, having to just simply put forth incredible effort to, to get out of bed. If you've ever struggled with grief, lost someone very important to you, and the days become so very, very long, and, and sundown every day is just a devastating kind of experience. It's that, it's that emotional, that, that mental kind of, of exhaustion, and that is real too. 
And honestly, for some of us, we would trade all the, all, all the you know, physical strength in the world just to have that emotional, that, that, that mental strength. Because if you don't have that, it becomes very, very difficult to function. At the same time, there's, there's spiritual strength. There is strength that comes to us for and in our relationship with God. And some of us really struggle there. It's not a physical kind of crisis. It's not even really a mental or emotional kind of crisis. It's spiritual. It's just that feeling, that, that frustration of praying and praying and praying and feeling like prayers aren't being answered. It's that frustration of, of wondering if God is there, of wondering if God e even cares. It's a spiritual kind of exhaustion, and some of you have experienced that. Some of you are experiencing that right now. You just get tired. It's a spiritual tiredness, tired of the Bible, tired of praying, tired of singing, tired of church, tired of sermons, tired of all of that. It's a spiritual weariness, and that kicks in too. So when we talk about strength and weakness, understand there are dimensions to that. At the very same time, I would probably make a separate kind of argument to say that those are connected. I know that we're used to thinking of ourselves as sort of body, mind, and soul. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, you know, that, that sort of thing. But even though we can talk about those dimensions of ourselves, those dimensions of our lives, that does not mean that you and I are so easily dissected into parts. I don't know that you can cut me open and identify the physical part of me and the spiritual part of me and the emotional part of me. Yeah, I'm just me. I'm just a human being, and all of those things are, are, sort, of, are, are sort of entangled, and all of those things are, are, are joined. I'm not so sure that you and I are really so easily divided up into parts. So what that means is what starts out as a physical crisis, maybe it's sickness, a prolonged sickness, maybe it's that surgery that you needed, the knee replacement, the hip replacement, whatever they replaced on you. That, that, that physical crisis that started out as surgery or started out with a, with, with a difficult diagnosis at the doctor, that physical crisis can very quickly turn into an emotional, mental crisis. The fear, the worry that comes with that diagnosis, the, the, the kind of uh, emotional devastation that comes with living with prolonged physical pain. You understand, these things, one leads to another. And, and that physical crisis, that emotional, mental crisis can also very easily become a spiritual crisis. God, where are you when I'm in pain? God, don't you care that I'm struggling in this depression? Do, do you see? So we can talk about physical, mental, emotional, spiritual strength and weakness. But honestly, in my mind, one leads to another. That You can separate them, but so at the same time, I sort of experience all of these things at once. That's why they put chaplains in the hospitals. You understand? Because most of us realize that a physical crisis very quickly becomes a spiritual crisis. And to be really just completely transparent with you. In the lowest points of my life, it was the kind of weakness that I experienced in all three ways. The physical weakness, the emotional, mental weakness, the spiritual weakness. It's just the very nature of, of, of being human. We are limited. We have a particular kind of strength, but it always runs out. Even youths who become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. They stumble when they stumble. But here you go. But those who trust in the Lord, the New Living Translation says, those who trust in the Lord, they will find new strength. 
Uh, let's talk about that. Those who trust in the Lord. When it comes to finding strength for our lives, when it comes to having our strength, our, our desire, our will renewed, is there some sort of secret? Because some people seem to be sort of indomitable. Some people really do seem to be rather unstoppable. Some people get knocked down and they somehow come right back up. Others of us get knocked down and we almost never get back up on our feet. Is there a secret? There's not really a secret. I'm not saying that there's a secret, but there is something that only some of us receive, know, and understand. And it's a particular group of people that Isaiah mentions in verse 31. The New Living Translation says those who trust in the Lord. But Isaiah actually uses two little words here. He just calls them the waiters. The waiters. The waiters. In other words, those who wait on the Lord. He calls them waiters. Now, I hate waiting. I despise waiting. I just simply can't stand waiting. If I go to the movie theater and, and, and I'm there to watch a movie and then it takes forever for the movie to start and then after that, there are now something like 30, sometimes 40 minutes of previews. What is that even about? Why, why do I need to see 30 minutes of, of previews? I can't stand that. You know, I mean, I, I, I could have left the house 30 minutes later and still not missed the movie. It's just that being put in my seat and then asked to wait for what I've come for. It drives me crazy. Slow cars, slow people on the highway. You people driving me nuts. Now, I'm not a speed demon. I'm not trying to, you know, break the speed limit. You know, I just want to get there. I mean, what is it? What are you driving to your death? You know, why are you driving so slow? I, I just don't understand. And I'm so afraid to honk the horn or anything because I'm afraid it'll be one of you, you know. You know Get off the road. And it's your pastor, you know. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, that never goes well. Uh, I have to watch myself. Oh, it just drives me nuts. I hate waiting. I love ordering things off of Amazon. I just think Amazon is the funnest thing ever. I love ordering things. But the problem is now with UPS and FedEx, these are amazing companies. They let you track your package. Oh, this kills me because, because I've become obsessed with where's my package, you know? And it starts off somewhere like in, you know, Hong Kong, you know, China. And I'm thinking, wow, that's amazing. You know, it's in, it's in China. But when's it going to be in Woodburn? And then you have to watch it come all the way around the world. I mean, you can check every 10 minutes, and I do, you know, because like, when, when's it coming? When's it coming? And, and then the thing is, you know, it, it, UPS has this thing now where they bring it all the way from China. They'll come through China, usually from China to Alaska, you know, which is awesome. And they're like Alaska to Seattle, you know. And then, you know, you, you, you keep checking the next day from Seattle. It's in, it's in like Michigan. Getting warmer, getting warmer. Michigan to Indianapolis, wow, it's, it's getting close, you know. It makes me want to call in sick and just stay home, you know, and be by the mailbox. But then Indianapolis to Memphis, what is that? It flew right over my house, Indianapolis, Memphis. And then Memphis to Franklin. Thinking Franklin, Franklin, Kentucky. Then they just leave it at the post office. And then I have to wait for the postman to bring it to me from Franklin. It got from Hong Kong to Alaska in 12 hours, but from Franklin to Woodburn can take two days. And it kills me. It just kills me. You know? And then, because I'm on the notification program, they'll notify me it's been delivered. And it's like, 
Warren, I got to go home and take care of something just for when I'll be right back, you know. Because <laughs> it's there. Anybody else with me? I hate waiting for stuff. I just can't stand that. I get in the line at Myers or Walmart, and I'm obsessed with which line is faster. Which line? And I will. I always pick this. I always, always, always am in this slowly. If I get in the line, you know, the light goes off. Boom! They're shut down. Here I am. I, I hate waiting. And a lot of us are like that. Waiting is difficult. Waiting requires that we just be still and wait. Do nothing, wait. I, I don't do that well. Which means that there, it's not so much a secret, but there's something from God I may never experience until I learn to do this. Those who wait. Those who wait on the Lord will find their strength renewed. Waiting on the Lord is not just something Isaiah talks about. Waiting on the Lord is all through Scripture. If you're going to serve God, know God, receive anything from God at all, you're going to have to learn to wait. His ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. And believe it or not, his timing is not your timing. And somehow he always seems slower than I wish he were. He always just seems to uh, leave me waiting. So what exactly does that look like? The book of Isaiah chapter 64 says this, For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who, say the word, wait for him. No eye has seen a God like you who works. God works for, God works for us, but, but God works for those who wait for him. What does that mean? New Living Translation just simply says those who trust in the Lord. And it is trust, but Isaiah's word is wait. And I think it's an important word because trust sounds like something you can do without really having to wait. But waiting is something you can't really do without trusting. You have to learn how to wait. What does that look like? Well, I'd say three things. First off, it looks like prayer. It is prayer. You gotta learn how to pray. I know that sounds really basic, and it is basic, but that doesn't mean that you're good at it. It doesn't mean that you even do it. I think prayer is a strange sort of thing, and a lot of us, if we had to really stop and be honest, we'd have to say that we live a life of relative silence before God. We just don't pray. I mean, maybe with our wife at meal, something like that, but but prayer itself is a language of dependence. Prayer itself is what people who are waiting do, but because it keeps the line of communication open. I was talking about my package coming from all the way from Hong Kong, China. What, what sustains me in that waiting is the fact that there's communication along the way. They notify me that they let me know where it is along the way. That communication helps me a lot. And that's why prayer is very important for those who are waiting for God. You need to stay in communication. It, it, it helps you have confidence in him. It helps you somehow rest and trust and know that he is God and that he's going to work for you. Your difficulty, your lack of patience probably somehow is related to your lack of prayer. You, you just have to pray. You, you have to pray. 
the fact that so many of us really struggle in our prayer life just, just speaks to the way the devil has such victory over our spiritual lives. Because your prayer life is that central nerve of your relationship with God. Why don't you pray? Why don't you pray more? Some of us literally haven't prayed since the last time somebody in church said every head bowed, every eye closed. I mean, when I say let's pray, you pray. But otherwise, it's, it's funny how, how you just don't pray. And the fact that you don't pray tells me one thing about you. It means that you don't trust. If you're trusting in God, then you're constantly going to be going back to him. And, and you recognize where all the wisdom and, and patience and power and strength comes from. It all comes from him. And, and prayer is that connection with him. Prayer isn't something simply reserved for the most spiritual or, 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 or the most faithful of us. Prayer is the gift that God gives to all of us who believe in him. You just simply are, are, are privileged to be able to talk to him and know that he hears not only that he hears, know that he goes to work for you when you pray, but, but honestly, praying always involves this waiting. They, they, they go together. I'm telling you, this feeling that you have that you've no strength to go on, this feeling that you have that even when you stumble, you're stumbling, it probably relates to this fact that you're living this life of utter prayerlessness. Prayerlessness always leads to powerlessness. Those who wait on the Lord, they find their strength renewed. Waiting always looks like praying. You pray. And when you pray, God speaks. God answers. He always does. I know that we struggle with this because coming to say, Pastor Sam, I just don't hear God's voice. God doesn't talk to me like that. Well, I promise you that he does. The more you stay with it, the more you learn to recognize his voice. But then sometimes I'm a little skeptical of the people who say, God doesn't talk to me because honestly, I think God's probably already told you way more than you wanted to hear. If we just stopped right now with what we know God wants us to do, if we just started with what God says to us in the Bible and we devoted ourselves to doing everything he says in the Bible, we got enough to keep us busy the rest of our lives. So it's really not a matter of is God speaking or even are you hearing. The question comes down to are you ready to obey? Will you do what he asks you to do when he asks you to do something? And honestly, it's a whole lot easier to say, God doesn't talk to me. I'm not hearing anything. La, 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 because you don't want to hear. Because when he speaks, he's going to tell you what to do. When you ask him, God, please give me wisdom. Tell me what I need to do. He's going to tell you what to do. But then at that point, the responsibility falls on you. You've got to do what he asks you to do. You have to be willing to obey. So prayer isn't really just a matter of talking to God, just yammering on to God. It's not that sort of just one-way monologue where you just get to give God advice. No, no, no. no. Prayer is this two-way communication where you ask God questions and he gives you answers. And his answers almost always imply that you've now got instructions for living. Now, here's the thing. Those who wait on the Lord are the ones who find that God goes to work for them, which really means sometimes when you ask God what you're supposed to do, sometimes when you ask God what he wants from you, sometimes his answer will be nothing. I'm not saying he doesn't answer. I'm saying he's telling you just to wait. You stay put. There's nothing for you to do. You just let me go to work for you. Sometimes that's exactly what God says. There's not anything for you to do in this situation. You just let me take care of it. You wait on me, and I'll work for you. Now, on the one hand, some of us think, well, hot dog, I get to be lazy. No, no. 
Because sometimes nothing is the most difficult thing God will ever ask you to do. I don't do nothing well. I don't do nothing well at all. I mean, I, I want to do something. I mean, if God's going to go to work for me, you know, at least, you know, let me feel like I'm helping. Let me feel busy. I cannot stand to have nothing to do. But sometimes that's exactly what God calls for me to do. Nothing. You just wait. You just trust. You let me take care of it. Oh, God, is there not another way we can deal with this where I get to get busy? No. No. Notice what Isaiah says in chapter 30. Only in resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your Strength. What? Strength in quietness and confidence. Have y'all noticed I don't do quiet very well either? And resting? I don't rest. I can't stand to rest. I mean, what I mean, if you're sitting around resting, nothing's getting done. I'm a worker. I want to do something. I want to get up early. I want to put on gloves. I mean, I don't want to rest. Because when I rest, it feels like I'm not doing anything. And God says, that's exactly right. There's nothing for you to do. You just trust. You just wait. You just let me take care of it. How many times in your life have you messed everything up because you said something when you shouldn't have said anything? How many times have you messed something up because you got yourself involved in something you were never supposed to be involved in? How many times have you messed it all up because you stepped in and tried to do God's work for him? You mess up a whole lot of stuff. You create a whole lot of mess because you don't know just how to rest in him. Be quiet. Be confident and find strength in him. I'm telling you, sometimes there's nothing for you to do. And when there's nothing to do, the best thing to do is nothing. Y'all looking at me, but you don't believe me. Nothing. Trust him. There's not anything you can do about it. You just let him work. You trust him. The more you panic, the more you worry, the more you are afraid, the more you mess this stuff up. You simply rest in him and quietness and confidence is your strength. But then sometimes, sometimes God tells you what to do and he means for you to do something. And sometimes that's it too. You know, sometimes there's nothing for me to do, and then sometimes he tells me exactly what I'm supposed to do. And then I get to get with it. I get to get busy. Sometimes the answer is go step into the fight. Sometimes the answer is you, you, you saddle up, you get out there, you go, you work, you, you dedicate yourself, you have the conversation, you go knock on the door, you, you call that person, you go to that person's house. Sometimes the answer is you call that doctor, you do the therapy, you do exactly what God says because sometimes it's resting, but sometimes it's not resting. Proverbs 21 says this, the horse is prepared for battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. What's that mean? The horse is prepared for battle. What does that mean? Who prepares the horse for battle? Well, the horseman. The rider, the one who's going to get on the horse. So this is God's point here. Sometimes you got to saddle up and ride into the battle, but that doesn't mean the victory isn't still the Lord's. You understand? So even though we have something to do, even though God says work, get out there, fight, struggle, stay in there, you be active, you get out there, that doesn't mean we're not still waiting on him. They're not opposites. 
Even when God has put me in the midst of the struggle, and I know exactly that there's a lot of this that I'm responsible for, that does not mean I'm not still waiting on him because my strength comes from him. I can work, I can fight, I can saddle up the horse, ride into battle, but I have to ride into battle still knowing if there's any victory here, it still belongs to the Lord. It ain't me and it ain't my horse. Understand, it makes sense. So Isaiah says it's, it, it's what happens for those of us who learn how to wait. There's a reward that's promised. Verse 31, those who wait on the Lord will find new strength, New Living Translation says. Literally what it says there is that they will exchange, that they'll change their strength, they'll exchange. And that's a different kind of thought. It's a little harder to translate. But the idea here that Isaiah wants to make clear is that there are actually two kinds of strength. There's my strength, your strength, and then there's God's strength. And they're completely different. My strength, your strength always runs out. It's always limited. I can be very strong, and I can be as, as strong as my body will let me be, but I will still always have a limit. I will only be able to bench press so much. And honestly, y'all, I'm limited. I'm limited on, on that sort of thing. I am a runner. I'm a runner, and I'm not very fast, but I can run far. I can run far. I can probably run further than any of you. I'll take on any of the senior adult ladies today. Man, I can run far. But I still get to the end of it. I can't run forever. I, I can't. And that's the thing about our strength. You, you, you put out your best specimen. You put out your hero, your champion. But even the champion among us, man, he's going to stumble and fall. He, he's going to reach the end of it. Eventually, every single one of us has to go to bed. Every single one of us has to go back and, and recharge and refuel. I mean, our strength runs out. But remember, God's strength does not. Back in verse 28, have you never heard? Have you never understood? He never grows weak or weary. He never grows weak or, or weary. He gives power to the weak. How does he do that? Because he never grows weak or weary. He gives strength to the powerless. How does he do, how does he do that? Because he has power without limits. He can just continue to give and give and give. And when God starts giving out his strength, it doesn't mean he has less strength. God's strength, God's power is unlimited. There are two kinds of strength, yours and mine, and God's. And so what Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says here, what we have to do is not just go back to God and get our strength renewed. Because that's like, that's the idea of he just gives me new strength, you know, but it's still my strength, which means I'm just going to run out again tomorrow. It's like just going back in and getting my tank topped off. No, that's not the promise, or that's not what God is offering you. That's all some of you want, a little bit more of your strength, because you're determined to live your life in your strength. But Isaiah here is promising us something different, an altogether different kind of strength, because we're going to a new source. I'm not the source of this strength. So that means it's not really a matter of, 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 of being disciplined. It's not really a matter of being dedicated. It's not really a matter of trying harder, pushing harder, you know, thinking positively. No, there's nothing to do with me at all. I'm going to a whole new source of strength this time. Those who wait on the Lord, they get to exchange their strength. In other words, I'm going to give God what's left of mine, nothing. And then he's going to give me his strength. Do you see that promise? That's a great promise. 
I'm not just going to get a little more of what I already had that runs out every time. He's going to tap me into a whole new source of strength, and it's God's kind of strength. It never, ever runs out. He never grows weak. He never grows weary, and he's offering me his kind of strength if I will wait for him. Isn't that good? So you literally have the opportunity to live life in God's strength and not yours. That's the promise. That's the reward. For those who learn to wait on this God, you will have your strength exchanged for his kind of strength. And what's that going to look like in your life? This is where it gets good. He gives us three sort of poetic phrases here. This is what your life looks like when you're living in God's power and not yours. What's the first phrase? It's everybody's favorite phrase. Those who trust in the Lord, wait on the Lord, will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. Man, I love that. And some of y'all been waiting, what, now five Sundays for me to get to that. Because that's all you wanted to do was soar high on wings like eagles. This whole chapter for you is just one big like diving board where you just get to dive and launch yourself where you can soar high on wings like eagles. That's what you wanted. Honestly, that's what I want. And this is what Isaiah promises. This is what it looks like when you live life in God's strength and not yours. It's like soaring high on wings like an eagle. Now, have y'all ever seen an eagle fly? We actually do have a few in Kentucky. There's one that, that I spot in my woods pretty regularly. A big, bald eagle. He's got to be lost. He must think he's somewhere else. But, but he flies right here. Have you ever seen an eagle fly? How do they fly? Just, and they just hang in the air. It's amazing. They just, and just hang there. They hardly ever flap their wings. Some people have insisted that eagles must be able to sleep while they fly because they just, they just soar. They find this heavenly current and they just float on it. They just mount up on it and they ride it. It's amazing. Google it, y'all. Eagles just soar. They just fly. You know, ain't none of that, you know, like a chicken, you know, like, you know. It's not like that. Like a hummingbird. You seen hummingbirds? There's a reason I didn't say they're going to mount up on wings like hummingbirds. Because hummingbirds aren't impressive. Hummingbirds are the hardest working creatures that God ever made. Hummingbirds fly so fast and so hard, you don't even see their wings just now, they're pretty funny. They're amazing. You know, I sit on my porch swing and the hummingbirds kind of swim around and they're awesome and hilarious because you know, they're all over the place. They're darting and buzzing and dipping. You know, it's amazing. Every now and then, one of the hummingbirds will stop flying, will go up into a tree limb, and it's just amazing to watch one sit still. They just won't do it for long. Some of you, your life looks more like the hummingbird than the eagle. And you must not be thinking that you're living in God's strength. That's not what your life is like. It's not buzzing and dipping and darting like a hummingbird, never stopping, working so hard. No, no. Remember, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God who works for them who wait on him. 
He works for us. So that means your life isn't about exertion so much. You shouldn't always be so frustrated. You shouldn't have to run yourself ragged just to live your life. If you got no time for nothing, I'm just telling you one thing. I mean, God intended that you work and that you rest. God intended that you live a life of some sort of balance and healthiness. And honestly, if you don't even have time to sleep, if you don't have time to eat, you are trying to do a whole lot that God never intended that you do. If you say, you know, my family, we, don't have, we only got one night a week and it's Sunday. Really? Because God gives you seven nights. And honestly, if it's so packed in there that you got no time for, for nothing, you're trying to do a lot of things that God never intended that you do. God's intention is not that you live like a hummingbird, busy, you know, buzzing, darting, you know, that's just not the life. He says, if you're living in his power, you get to what? Yeah, soar like an eagle. The eagle manages to simply float in the air like that because he's held aloft by a current, a very finds that current and just rides it. So you have to allow the Holy Spirit to elevate, to, to mount up your life. He's the one who holds you in the air so you don't have to work so hard to keep it all off the ground. You understand? It's a promise here. It's a reward. Those who wait on the Lord will find a new kind of strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. Now, sometimes life is soaring high like an eagle, but sometimes it's just running and not getting weary. Now, I am a runner, and I love this part of me. This is one of my favorite verses for that. It's just that promise, that idea that you could just run forever. I mean, really run, just going at it. Some of you can't even, you know, you wouldn't even, you know, if we held you at gunpoint, you know, you really wouldn't run then. You just, you know, just shoot me. Just shoot me. Yeah. But, but the idea here is a person that, that has such strength, such a, a store, a source of strength, that they're able to just run and never, ever, ever poop out. Never, ever even get out of breath. Run with no tiredness. Have you ever seen people who seem able to do this? We're not just talking about the busiest people you know. It's just the people who go through such, such incredible trials in their lives, but somehow they just continue not to run out of physical, emotional, spiritual strength. That's the person who suffers, and you see them suffering, and somehow even in their suffering, it would be as if they just get stronger and stronger and stronger. Have, have you not seen people like this? Because I have. Our church is blessed to have a number of people like this. So how do they do this? How do they continue to maintain such faith? How do they continue to maintain such joy? It's almost as if their joy has nothing to do with circumstances at all, and you're right. You understand? It's, it's a different source. It's a source that's not coming from just, you know, things going well in your life. If, if, if God is your source of strength, as God is your source, then it really doesn't matter what happens down here. You won't be depleted because nothing's going to deplete God who is your source. So if you're constantly running out of joy, constantly, you know, running out of faith, constantly running out of everything, then you've got to really examine what is your source of strength. Those who wait on the Lord, they get a different kind of strength. They're able to run and not get weary. They don't slow down. They don't stop. You understand that they don't have to ever just wonder what in the world's going on. They are tapped into a source that lets them go in strength, strength to strength. They run and not get weary. They 
Walk in not faint. Y'all see what he did here, right? You see what he did there? He made those last four words the most important words in the whole chapter. We've been reading for weeks and weeks and weeks, y'all, to get to those four words, walk in not faint. See, you wanted to get to soar on wings like eagles. That's what you wanted, because that's the promise. You want God to promise you that the rest of your life, that every day will be you soaring on a wing. I mean, that's what you want, to soar. You want to soar effortlessly. You just want to soar. You want to float high, carried by a heavenly current. You want to sleep while you fly. You just want, you want to go first class. You just want this. You want, you want to mount up on, a, on wings like eagles. That's the promise you cling to. And it's a promise that's here. Don't miss it. It's a promise that's there. But there are three phrases here, three poetic phrases that, that show you, that declare to you what the life lived in God's strength is going to look like. And it's a sort of progression. And the order in which you state these, the, these different declarations, I think it matters. Now, if I were writing Isaiah 40, I, I didn't get to have this input, but if I were writing Isaiah 40, I'd have done this backwards. I would have done it the other way. I would want to like build momentum and then end up soaring on a wing like an eagle. I would start out, you know, those who wait on the Lord, they will walk in the faith. They'll run and not get weary. They will soar. Because a good sermon should end, you know, with all of us soaring on wings like, I mean, would that be awesome? Would you all agree? That would make it, we'd like that more. Because it builds momentum. It even increases speed. You walk, and then you run, then you fly. You know, you run so fast, your feet leave the ground. I mean, I would love that. But that's not the way the Word of God comes to us. Actually, something of a slowdown here. You soar on wings like eagles. You run and not get weary. Walk and not faint. That's a promise too. Sometimes when you're living your life in God's strength, what it will look like is you just staying on your feet. Ain't no running here. Ain't no soaring. But I'm on my feet. Walking. Walking and I'm walking and my legs don't just give out, you know. I'm, I'm not fainting, I'm walking. Is, it, is, that, is that enough? I mean, if God has all of this power to give me, and if, and if I wait on him, I, you mean I could wait on him, and in the end of all that waiting, all I get is the ability to walk and not faint? That's not saying much. It, it, to say you're walking and not fainting means you feel like you could. And you know? To say I'm walking and not fainting means, you know, it, this is an accomplishment for me just, just to be able to put one foot in front of the other. This is something, y'all. It may not look like anything to you, but you don't understand how weak I've been. I am walking and not fainting. Yeah. In the book of Psalms, there is a song, an anti-song 
that comes from this period when the children of Israel were captive in Babylon. And it says, by the waters of Babylon, we sat down and wept. We hung our harps in the trees because there was no way to sing a song to the Lord in a strange land. I mean, those are the people that Isaiah is writing to. That's why he starts out saying, comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. Comfort. That's why Isaiah 40 spends so much time Describing who God is and how great God is. This God who comes and he's coming, make no mistake. So prepare a highway for him because he's coming. And that road that he uses to travel to come to you is the same road he's going to use to take you out of here. You're not going to stay in this strange land where there's no way to sing a song of praise to the Lord. He's going to take you out to a place where you can praise him again. That's the promise of Isaiah 40. And that's the people that he's talking to. They haven't soared a high on nothing for a long, long time. And they have known nothing but weariness, nothing but forced labor, nothing but day after day after day of a praiseless, songless existence. Isaiah's final word to them is wait, just wait. You don't see him yet. This, this God that's coming to comfort you and to rescue you, you don't see that yet, but wait. Don't move until he moves you. Don't, don't give up faith. Don't give up hope. You stay put. You just wait because if you'll wait, sometimes, sometimes his power will course into your body and you will find yourself soaring high on wings like an eagle. I mean, you will. That's a promise. And all of us in this room have had seasons of our life and that's exactly what life was, just soaring. It's amazing when that happens and it's always because of God's strength. We just soar. Wait, wait for it. And sometimes you'll be able to just run and run. And all of a sudden you find new strength, new, new, new determination. And you're on your feet and you run and you run. And it just seems like you run and get stronger as you go. The closer you get to the end of the thing, the, the stronger, the faster you are. There's, there's no depletion. There's no exhaustion. It's as if you run with a source of energy that's completely, completely unlimited. And then sometimes you wait, and you wait, and you wait. And this strength, this unlimited, impossible strength from God just puts you on your feet. Just puts you on your feet again. I, I just want to tell you something. In that moment of your life when you don't have strength to stand. In that moment of your life when you are so emotionally, spiritually, physically empty that you can't get on your own feet. You wait on the Lord. He will give you a new kind of strength. 
And in that moment, you will be able to stand, walk, and not faint. And I promise you in that moment, it'll be enough. You may not be running, may not be soaring, but sometimes, sometimes just to walk and not faint is enough. Not only is it enough, it's a miracle. It's a miracle to walk in that faith. Pray with me. God, there are people in the sound of my voice this morning who have fainted, they have collapsed, or they have reached the end of their strength. They have reached the end of their strength in this marriage. They have reached the end of their strength, Lord, in in this entire game that they play at church. They've reached the end of their strength, Lord, with their kids. They've reached the end of their strength in this job or in this joblessness. They've reached the end of their strength with this depression, this anxiety, this pain, Lord. They've reached the end. But Lord, when we have come to the end of our strength, will you not teach us, Lord, that that is the moment when we can learn to be quiet, when we can learn to be still, when we can learn to wait, Lord. We wait because there's Nowhere else to go, no other source, there's no other way that we can find new strength, Lord. If we're going to be placed on our feet, Lord, only you can give us feet to stand on. God, teach us to wait for you. Teach us to pray to you. Teach us to trust you. Teach us to know how to do nothing when nothing is all there is to do. And teach us, Lord, to know how to wait for you even when we have much, much, much work to do, Lord. Teach us how to fight the battle and struggle on and continue, Lord, still to wait on strength from you. Lord, we are very, very guilty of flapping our wings and trying to launch ourselves into some sort of life, Lord, and it is exhausting. Lord, we are very, very guilty of running and running and running in our own strength, Lord, and we are exhausted and we are frustrated and we are quitting. But Lord, teach us. Teach us the difference between our strength and your strength and teach us what it means to wait and teach us what a miracle it is, Lord, when finally, from the depths of our despair, We are lifted to our feet and made able once more to walk and not faint. We pray for that strength, Lord, that comes from you today. Because without it, Lord, we cannot make it on our own. Bless us this day, Lord, with new strength. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.